0: We discuss the right heart conditions necessary for revival praying. We also discuss what to pray for when pursuing revival. Okay, before we get into God's word, this, uh, the message this morning, I want us to just prepare our hearts to um, make our declaration. So if you have your Bible, uh, if you could turn with me please to Philemon. And Philemon has only one chapter, so I'll say chapter 1. And we look at verse 6. Philemon comes right before Hebrews. Paul is writing to this man Philemon. And he's trying to resolve uh, a situation there between Philemon and his uh, servant Onesimus. Uh, But in that whole process, he writes this in verse 6. He says that the sharing of your faith may become effective By the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So he wants us, he says, uh, in the latter part of that verse, he talks about the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. That is because we are in Christ as believers because we are in Christ we are in him that's our identity he says acknowledge the good things that are in you because you are in Christ to acknowledge is to affirm to recognize as a fact to, to say yes this is it so in Christ the you know there are about 100 and i guess 140 odd scriptures in the new testament that that talk about our identity who we are in Christ, And they describe who you and I are as people spiritually connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is who we are. And the Bible says you acknowledge these things. Acknowledge that you are the righteousness of God. Acknowledge that you are accepted in the beloved. Acknowledge that you are more than a conqueror. Acknowledge that you are an overcomer. Acknowledge that God always causes you to triumph. Acknowledge these things. Recognize as a fact. Are you with me so far? So it doesn't matter what I am going through. It doesn't matter what my status in life is. It doesn't matter what my circumstances tell me about who I am or what people's opinions about me is. The Bible says above all of that, beyond all of that, acknowledge the good things that are in you because you are in Christ. Acknowledge that. And then it also says in the early part of that verse, it says, That the fellowship of our faith may become effective. So, how can you have really good fellowship? Have lots of tea, coffee. (laughs) He said, That's good fellowship. Now, what's really good? What's good fellowship in terms of scripture? He says that the fellowship, the sharing, or the Greek word there is is fellowship, or the, the, the fellowship of our faith may become effective, may really have a powerful effect. So you want to have really good fellowship. What are you supposed to do in good fellowship? Recognize the good things that are in each other because we are all in Christ. So when we recognize and acknowledge the good things that are in us because we're in Christ, that's when we are having really good fellowship. Right? So I can look at somebody and, you know, if they're going through difficult essays, I say, don't worry. The Bible says that God always causes us to triumph in Christ. See, then we're having good fellowship because I'm affirming the good things that are in them because they are in Christ. So they say like, man, I feel like I'm so broken. I'm so defeated. So don't worry. The Bible says that whoever is born of God overcomes the world. So that's acknowledging the good things that are in them because they are in Christ. And that's when we have really good fellowship. Amen. So what we're going to do this morning is just rise to our feet and acknowledge The good things that are in us, because we are in Christ. Let's stand to our feet, please. We're going to make our declaration. So if you brought your Bible, hold it high up in the air. And let's declare this loud, bold, and strong together. This is God's Word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved. Healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His Word, I believe His Word, and I live by His Word. Christ is my Master, and to Him I am. An absolute surrender in Jesus' name. Amen. Shake hands with the person next to you, please. Give them your name. Let them know you're happy to see them. Tell them who you are, what you do. And you may be seated. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about revivals, visitations, and the moves of God. And just awakening ourselves, stirring ourselves up. Uh, to understand this aspect of our journey with God on, on revivals. Uh, we've talked about revival stories. We've looked back into the history of the church 2,000 years, uh, seen uh, uh, several of the revivals that have taken place and, and the moves of God that have taken place. Uh, last week, we talked about how we could prepare ourselves as a church, as a people, for revival. That as a, we need to be ready as a people and then we need to pray. This morning, I want to focus in on that, the second part, which is on prayer. And talk a little bit about how we can pre- prepare our hearts to pray and also how to pray for revival. When we look at the history of revivals, the moves of God in the history of the church, there is one common denominator that we find that precedes Every revival that took place, there's one common denominator, one key, if you will, that causes, that, 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 that ignites revival fire. And that one common denominator, that one key is simply prayer. And when we try to say, okay, what can we do as a people to see revival You look back in the history of the church and there's one thing and one thing alone. And it is prayer. That's what it is. People prayed. Sometimes it's an individual who really pursued God in prayer. Sometimes it's a small group of people. Sometimes there's many churches across the region. And it varies in that sense. But the one thing they were all doing was pursuing God in prayer. Until move of God to place So really prayer is the key to revival It's important for us to pray Now if we understand that revival is a sovereign work it's a work of God we can't manufacture it you know we can create a lot of hype and emotion through various ways but we cannot manufacture revival it's a move of the Holy Spirit it's a move it's a work of God But prayer is what paves the way prayer is what ignites, causes it to be ignited in our midst. It's like the farmer. You know, the farmer, he can do something to have a harvest. He can plough the land and he can sow the seeds. But the rain is up to the heavens. It's up to God. Right? The farmer can't manufacture the rain. But he can plough the ground and he can sow the seed. So that's prayer. While we cannot cause revival, we can plough the ground. We can sow the seed. We can expect. We can ask God for the rain. And He will release the rain at the right time. But we need to prepare. We need to pray. So this morning, I want to just spend a little bit of time talking about this whole aspect of praying or pursuing revival through prayer. And just leave that before us and challenge us to come together and engage in praying for revival. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12, Jesus spoke to us about the kingdom of God. He said, from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence or experiences violence and the violent take it by force. From from the time of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist was the transition point from the Old Testament to the New. He was the one who came first with the message, the kingdom of heaven is here. Now Jesus preached it and others preached it after that. But John was the one who said the kingdom of heaven is here. Meaning God's kingdom, God's realm, heaven is invading our worlds. God's dominion is coming into our realm. God's rule and reign is coming to our realm. The kingdom of heaven is here. So Jesus, from the time of John, this is what's been happening. The kingdom of God's being released, is being made available to man. But here's the thing. It suffers violence, experiences violence, and the violent take it by force. Meaning, although the kingdom of God is made available to all of us freely... For us to enter in, for us to press in, for us to experience the things of the kingdom, there is a certain level of intensity, there is a certain level of aggressiveness, there is a certain level of a push in the spirit that is required of us. In other words, it doesn't fall like jalebis from the sky. You know. It's made available to us freely, but we've got to press in. Because there are things in this world and there are, Forces of darkness that would want to keep us out of that kingdom, although that kingdom is made available to us freely. Are you with me so far? So the things of the kingdom of God are accessible to each of us. God is not holding it back. The kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus said in Luke twelve thirty two, He said, Fear not, little flock, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God's delighted in giving us his kingdom. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But for us to receive, for us to possess the things of the kingdom, there is something required of us. We need to press in. And that's why we as a people, as a community, us as individuals and as a people must press in and say, that is mine, that's in the kingdom, I'm going to have it. Amen? Amen. And so also in the case of revival, it's there for us. God says there are seasons of refreshing available to all of us. But there is this intensity that is required of us for us to experience that. And prayer is where we express this intensity. Prayer is where we demonstrate that we are really intense. We're serious about experiencing revival. And we've talked about the reasons why we need revival. I don't want to, just, I don't want to repeat that this morning. So, when we begin to pray for revival, we need to start with the heart condition. So, I want to enumerate just a little bit on uh, the heart condition that we must have before we pray. Because prayer is not just, you know, uttering all these words, it's not like a garbage dump, you know, or dumping all these words on God. I hope you have enough words, Lord. <laughs> That's not prayer. Prayer is not about just, you know, giving God these lectures so that He gets tired of us and says, Enough, stop. You know, I'll give you what you're asking. That's not prayer. Prayer is more a matter of the heart because God looks past the words to look into our hearts. So when we pray for revival, we first got to prepare our heart. And I want to talk about that a little bit. The heart condition, the right heart condition. What must the condition of our heart be as we are praying for revival and all of us need to ask God to create this kind of a heart in us even I pray I say God create this heart in me give me this kind of a heart increase that do it more God in me so we're all asking God to create this kind of a heart in us number one the right heart condition for praying for revival is that it's a heart that is repentant humble and dependent on God it's a repentant heart it's a humble heart it's a heart that's dependent on God. And there are several scriptures on these. You'll find it in the book when we get it. But in Second Chronicles 7.14, one reference there, God says, If my people who are called by my name will do what? Will humble themselves. Will turn from their wicked ways. Repentance. Humble. Repent. And will seek my face. Dependence. Looking to God. And pray. God says, I'll hear from heaven. I will heal their lands. So when we pray, the condition of our heart should be, God, I'm turning away from sin. I'm humbling myself before you, God. And I am dependent on you, God. We can't produce revival. Only you can, but we are asking you for it. We need this move of God. We need this outpouring. We need you to visit us in a powerful way. Secondly, it's a heart that's desperate, longing, full of hunger and thirst. Meaning there is a a cry in our hearts. There is an intense desire in our hearts. There is what the Bible calls a hunger and thirst in our hearts. So it's not a casual God. And by the way, before I say amen, please send revival. It's not like that. It's a heart that is desperate. God we must have a visitation. We must experience a move of your Holy Spirit. We want more of the outpouring of your Spirit in our midst. It's heart that is hungering and thirsting. And Jesus told us this. He said, "You know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they are the ones who will be filled." That's it's, it's a good thing to hunger and thirst. Why? The other ones are going to experience. They're the other ones who are going to be filled. They're the other ones who are going to be satisfied. Which so is important for us to hunger and thirst, or so in isaiah forty four and verse three God says, "I will pour water on him who is thirsty, I will pour water on him who is thirsty. See the rain comes on parts ground God says "I will. I will make i'll pour water on him who is thirsty i 'll pour waters on dry ground dry ground, meaning there is that Hunger that's a pull in our hearts towards God, saying, God, we need this. So we pray with that kind of a heart. You say, Pastor, right now I don't feel hungry for anything except some good food. Yeah. Well, ask God. God, create that hunger in me. Increase that desire in me to pray for revival. Increase Create that hunger in me. And God can. He will stir it up in our hearts. And He'll begin to increase that hunger until you and I get really desperate for this. Number three, it's a heart that is sincere and earnest. That means we are sincere in our asking. We're not asking for the wrong reasons. We're not asking for revival so that we can become famous. Or we can, you know, uh, gain some uh, fame or name for ourselves. We're not asking for revival because, you know, we want to be heroes in the Christian world. None of that. We're asking out of sincerity. We're asking because we really recognize. We recognize that we really need a move of God. That's sincere being sincere in our prayer are you with me right so when you pray we pray with sincerity with earnestness and and in james chapter 5 verse 16 17 18 uh, james writes about uh, writes this he says you know confess your faults one to another pray for one another that you may be healed the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much meaning the earnest fervent fiery, red-hot prayer of a righteous man, a man who was sincere, who was right. is right—is powerful, avails much. It's powerful and it's working. And then he talks about Elijah as an example. He says, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. I mean, an ordinary man like you and me could pray. And, 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 and because he prayed earnestly, fervently, and out of a righteous heart, See what, what God did for him. So he's encouraging you and me. Our prayers avail much, but it's got to be earnest, it's got to be fervent from a righteous heart. So that leads us to the next point. When we pray, we have to a heart that's fervent, that's passionate, that's consumed. Meaning it's a heart that's on fire. It's fervent about this, it's passionate about God. We need this. And it's consumed by it. Meaning, God, this is not, you know, the 10th thing on my list. But I'm consumed. I want this, God. I want to see a move of God. I want to see a whole, the move of the Holy Spirit through the church, in this city, across this nation. I want to see revival. It's a heart that's burning with this. It's fervent. It's on fire with this. Number five, it's a heart that is persistent and consistent. Meaning, it's a heart that is not going to give up easily. There is a resoluteness in this. this. I'm resolute. I'm, I'm committed to this. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to pray for three months and then say, okay, you know, forget it. It's not going to happen. No. I'm committed to this. I'm going to keep praying. And Jesus illustrated that for us in Luke 18, 1 through 8. He said, men should always pray and not give up. And then he uses a little example of a widow woman who had her case brought to the judge the unjust judge, the unfair judge. He was, he was not right. He tried to avoid the case. And he said, come back tomorrow and come back tomorrow. And, and, but she kept coming back, coming back, coming back. And then finally he said, you know, this woman is going to bear me out. Let me handle the case. And, she did, and he did it. But he says, God's much better than that. So God is not an unjust judge. But the point is, God's looking for us to be consistent To be persistent after what we are going. Not casual in what we are asking. Are you with me so far? Right? So when we pray, our heart must be committed. Saying, God, I'm going to pursue this till I see it happen. And number six, it's a heart that mourns, labors, and travails. Meaning it's a heart that feels. There is feeling in this. When I'm praying for the church, I'm praying with feeling, God. We need this. We need to see the move of God in the church. We need to see God. Uh, you're working, and there's, there's feeling to this, and we feel uh, that, uh, what's lacking in the church. We feel about it. Uh, when we pray for the lost, we feel their hopelessness. We feel uh, that sense of desperation. God, they need to be saved. They need to come to know the truth. So it's a heart that, that moans, that travails, that, that can feel the pain. So it's not a cold prayer, but it's with feeling. In Galatians 4.13, Paul writes to the Galatians. He says, My little children for whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. I'm travailing in birth again. Meaning there, there is a pain in what I'm giving birth to this. I want to see Christ formed in you. So, these are things that uh, that, must, that define or describe the heart uh, with which we pray. Are you with me so far? Yes? Okay. Now, I want to talk about the next part is, what do you pray for when you pray for revival? So we say, okay, let's pray for revival. We know that people prayed for revival. Uh, Before all these great revivals took place, there was people praying. What do we pray for when we pray for revival? I just want to give us a a few thoughts here uh, on, on this. So we pray prayers of repentance and consecration. As we go before God, we say, God, we repent of the prayerlessness in the church. We repent, Lord, for the sin in the church. We repent. Now, it may, we repent for our personal sin, but we also repent for the sin of the church. And we repent for the sin of the community. Sins of the community. Now, you say, why should we do that? When you look in the Bible and you see how Nehemiah prayed and how Daniel prayed, they didn't pray, oh God, those people are really bad. Punish them. That's not the way they pray. They identified with the sins of the people as though it was their own sin. And they prayed like this, oh God, forgive us. Right? They said, they identified with the sins of the people. God, forgive us for the wrong we've done. So when we we pray prayers of repentance, when we pray for the church, we don't say, oh God, that church, all people say, it's a miserable church. God, help them, God. (laughs) No. Say, God, we need help. So you identify with the community. Oh God, forgive us that we've been casual about the things of God. Forgive us for our shortcomings. Or when we pray for the community, we say, God, forgive the sins of this city. Forgive us for the wrong that's happening in this city. Forgive us for the corruption. Forgive the corruption. Forgive the idolatry. Forgive the sin in the city. So we pray prayers of repentance, and we pray prayers of consecration. God, we consecrate ourselves to you. As a church, we consecrate ourselves to you. So pray those prayers. Secondly, we pray prayers of yielding and surrender. That means we say, God, we are yielded to you. We are surrendered to you. Have your way. Yes, we have our programs. We have our agendas. We have our plans. We have a calendar. All that is good. We do that. But all of that is submitted to you. They do not supersede the move and the work of the Spirit. So God, have your way. As you wish, you move, oh God. You're free to do whatever you want. When Evan Roberts was praying, you know, God touched his life at a young age, at about 12 years of old, uh, 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 at a very early age and and uh, he in his, in his initial years was working in the coal mines with his dad but whenever he would get a chance he would sit in a corner and read his bible or when he was left at home on days he didn't have to work as a young boy he would sit and read his bible and pray and that was his upbringing and into his teenage years he began to pray seeking God and when he came into his early 20s he began to pray and say God and his heart was, was crying out for whales. He wanted to see a mighty move of God across that region. And uh, as, he, as he kind of you know, grew into this time, and, and as he was drawing near to the time when God was, was going to release this mighty move, and of course he didn't know it, but at that time, his prayer was very simple. His prayer was, Oh God, bend me. In the language of their day. Simply saying, God, here I am me i yield i surrender that's what i was praying god use me however you want use me i'm yielded i'm surrendered god i want to see this revival and you know the rest of the story you probably talk more about it next next sunday as a young man he went to his church and uh, he told his pastor he wanted to preach and his pastor didn't think he was qualified enough so he said you know after the main service, we'll have a youth service. You can speak to the youth. So even Evan Roberts said, fine. So after the main service, in the afternoon, the pastor told, you know, there's a young man named Evan Roberts. He wants to say something. So those of you interested can stay back. And I think about 8 to 12 young people stayed back. And even preached. He preached whatever was in his heart. But something stirred. None of those people left. Their lives were so impacted. And they stayed on through till midnight. A move of God took place in a youth meeting with a man whom the pastor thought was not good enough to preach in the main service. So he gave him the youth meeting. Something began to take place. Those kids, those young people didn't want to go home till midnight. And the next morning, people started coming. Crowds started coming in due time. Just because one person prayed, and then when he stood up to speak, God began to move. And hundreds of thousands of people started coming. The whole community, all of Wales was affected. And where did it start? In that afternoon meeting, a young man speaking to about 8 to 12 young people. That's where it started. And it never stopped. But what was his prayer? Oh God, bend me. A prayer of yielding and surrender. And God did it. So we pray those prayers and say, God, we yield. We surrender. Number three, we pray for m- prayers for more of God. Where we say, God, we are hungry for you. We want more of you in the church. We want more of you in our lives. More. See, God is infinite. Sometimes some, sometimes some people say, you know, why are you praying for more of God? He's already here. It's true. He's already here, but God's infinite. And we can have more of Him that we experience, more of Him that we know, more of Him that we uh, enjoy and experience in in, in, in our lives as per- personally and as a community. So we pray, say, God, we want more of You, and we ask Him, Lord, more of You. Uh, we pray for the for a greater outpouring of the Spirit. Fourth point there. What do we pray for, God, for for more of His Spirit to be poured out upon us? And that's what God promised. Now he didn't say in the last days it shall come to pass I will give every church one bucket. No, he said in the last days I will pour out my spirit, meaning it's limitless. Now he's saying as much as you can take I'm ready to give. So we say God we want more. We are grateful for what we have experienced, but we want more. So you pray for more, a uh, uh, greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit we want more of you come. Just flood our lives, flood our church, flood our communities. Pray for the glory of God to fill the house of God. See, God wants His glory to fill His house. In, in Haggai chapter 2, He said, I will fill this temple with my glory. So God wants His glory in His house. He wants His glory upon His people. He says, the glory of the Lord will be seen upon you. That's Isaiah 16, verse 1. His glory to be seen upon His people. God desires that. So when we are asking God, saying, God, let more of your glory fill the house. Let more of your glory be upon your people. We are just praying what is His heart's desire. We are asking God to do something He's not intending to do or not desiring to do. We're just asking Him to do what He already desires to do, to release His glory upon us. And what is the glory of God? It's simply the demonstrations of the nature and the works of God. It's tangible expressions of who He is and what He does. So we're saying, God, we want more of Your glory upon Your people and in the house of God. We pray prayers for for manifestations of God's power uh, and for Jesus to be glorified uh, in the Herbity's Revival, They're, and you've heard me share this before, there were two elderly ladies, both in their 80s. One of them was blind, and one of, their, one of the other person, had, was her body was uh, uh, ridden with arthritis. But they were desperate to see revival in their local church. Things had gone dry, and things were really, uh, you know, things were really dry and boring and so they said you know we've got to pray for revival and these two elderly ladies in their 80s decided to start praying and they got prayer meetings going on twice a week during the week they got some uh, people together to pray and they started praying and this was their main prayer from Isaiah 64 they said oh that you would rend the heavens and come down that was their prayer Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would do things that our eyes haven't seen, things that we have not even asked for. So Isaiah 64, 1, 2, and 3, that was their prayer. Just kept praying, oh God, rend the heavens, come down in this church. They were praying for their local church. Oh God, rend the heavens come down, let the mountains melt at your presence. Lord, do things that we have not even asked for in our midst. Do such things. That was their prayer. They prayed like that for three months. And then, when, in, a, in a time they didn't know how, why, where, here's what happened. One particular morning, it was three o'clock in the morning. 400 people were awakened and they came to church. Now, they had no WhatsApp, no SMS. It wasn't, none of, it wasn't any of that. God was just moving unusually. That night, this small prayer group was praying in the church. 3 o'clock in the morning, there were 400 people coming to church. Oh God, Rent the heavens and come down. Why did do these people show up? Everybody said they felt something stirring them up, telling them to go to church. And then began a revival in those reach in that entire region. But they pray. And God answers. Unusual things began to happen. So we pray and say, God, we want to see demonstrations of your power. We want Jesus to be glorified. We want to see signs, wonders, miracles taking place. A few other things we pray. When we pray for revival, we pray for the salvation of the lost. We pray, God, thousands for thousands and thousands of people in our city to be saved. We want people to come into the kingdom of God, thousands upon thousands. And that's possible because we've heard the stories of revivals. We've heard that during the layman's prayer revival, during the course of an entire year, There were 50,000 conversions every week. And this is history. It's not fantasy. Neither is it Christian fiction. This is is what actually happened. That during that revival, 50,000 people turning to the Lord every week. Imagine if that happened in Bangalore City. But that's what we should be praying for. God. We want thousands upon thousands to be brought into the kingdom. God, draw them in. God, bring them into your kingdom. We pray for the transformation of the community. And Isaiah prayed in Isaiah 26 verse 9, he said, With my soul I have desired you in the night. By my spirit within me I will seek you early. So he's talking about going after God. But notice the rest of his prayer. For when your judgments are in the earth, that means when your truth is in the earth, The inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. He is seeking God for something. That when the truth of God is in the world, out there, the people in the world will begin to learn righteousness. So we've seen in the stories of revivals that the revival, the move of God, brings about social, moral, and spiritual transformation of society, of the community, of the world outside the church. And so we need to pray for that. Say, God, you move and let the Holy Spirit move across our city in such a powerful way. That all these problems that we are seeing in the city, in, our, in, our, in the social problems, moral issues, God, that these things will change. There will be a transformation in our city. And lastly, when we, as we pray and engage in prayer... We want to exercise kingdom authority and dominion over our city. We want to declare God's kingdom over the city. We want to declare righteousness, peace, and joy. And the words we speak uh, during that time of prayer and intercession are powerful. They bring about the effect change in the spiritual atmosphere over the city. Now, I want to close with this. As we talk about our heart condition, having the right heart condition, as we talk about praying for revival, sometimes it can seem overwhelming. Oh, this is too much. Now, how can I do that? I mean, it's too much. I mean, pray like this. It's, you know, I'm happy going to church on Sunday morning. Don't trouble me the other days of the week, you know. It might seem too much. But I just want to encourage each of us. Let's start where we are. You know, William Seymour, before God used him in the Azusa Street Revival, he was praying five hours a day. And he wasn't seeing anything happen. So he went to God saying, God, what should I do? And God said, pray more. So he increased it to seven hours a day praying. And then we know the story of how the Holy Spirit moved through this ordinary man, gave birth to what we know today as the charismatic Pentecostal, the Pentecostal move of God that took place at a little street corner on Azusa Street. A little small shack, which later on became uh, the, the established church, a mission there. And that affected the world. Now, when we hear this story, we can be intimidated saying, you know, I can't even pray for five minutes. Man, you talk about five hours, <laughs> seven hours. It's beyond me. Forget it. It's not for me. So we could get easily intimidated when we hear these kinds of stories. But what I want to encourage all of us, number one, is this. Now, let's start where we are. Even if you can pray for five minutes or ten minutes, do that. Just go before God. Say, God, create in me the heart I need to pray for revival, God. And Lord, I pray and ask that you will send revival. Holy Spirit, come. God, we need more of you. Whatever language you want and however you want to pray these points that we shared. You pray, but start with the little you have. Don't be overwhelmed by the size and the magnitude of, what the, of the picture that's being painted about revival. Start with what you have. Because even big forest fires start off with a little spark. Amen? It's not small. You start with what you have. And that's enough. As long as there's a flame somewhere. There is hope that one day that little flame will cause a big fire. Now you and I could be the little flame. So start maybe a simple prayer. Simple prayer. Oh God, we just need more of you in our church, in our community, in our city. God visit us. Now, whatever language you want, it's okay. But just saying, God, we want revival, we want more of you. Just so start with what you have. You all have to ask God to create this heart condition in us. None of us are perfect. So you ask God, Lord, give me this kind of a heart, a heart that make me more hungry for you, make me more zealous for you. Put that fire in me, increase that fire in my heart. I pray those prayers. We can all pray. Create that heart in me. And secondly, let's get together with one another and pray. Because we can ignite fire in each other. Right? We can ignite that fire. So Suha's there. If he's got a little fire burning, and I've got no fire burning, if we pray together, I'll catch the fire he's got. Right? So we pray together. We can ignite that in each other as we just pray together. And that little fire in us becomes a bigger fire. We stir each other up towards praying for revival. So I want to encourage each of us, as a person, as an individual, pray. Simple prayers. God, we want more of you. Get together in small groups. In your home, wherever. Two people, three people, five people, whatever. Invite people that you know of and say, let's start praying. Let's ask God to do this. And that little fires everywhere will soon become a blaze in the church in the city, and across our nation. Amen? So don't get overwhelmed by all these big pictures of revival, thousands and all that. It all began small. Sometimes with one individual. But that spark was sufficient to light the fires of a huge blaze of revival. And here we have so many of us who are willing to take that step. Start with what you've got. Start praying. Get together in small groups. And I encourage you to come early on Sunday morning. 10 o'clock. Or if you're in the other locations, 8 a.m. Half an hour before worship begins, the service begins. So service begins at 10 with prayer. So 10 to 10.30 is prayer time. So even before worship, there is prayer. So we get together. Come early. Let's pray together. And we're going to incorporate some of these our points on revival we're going to incorporate that and, uh, uh, and just begin to pray together as a church community and we will see great things happen because when the Holy Spirit moves through the church and everyone's on fire I tell you this fire is going to spread all across the city and imagine when there are thousands and thousands of people in our city being affected and the fire can spread all across our nation and the nation can be on blaze with the fires of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us do our bit. and I'm sure great things can happen. Yesterday I was talking to a lady. She had come to the church office. Part of the membership class. And she said, you know, I can't do much. But I can pray at home. I said, that's a lot. That's, that's enough. Just pray at home. And she was wondering how can she serve in church. Pray at home. So some of us, maybe, you know, we can't do all these things up on stage. Hey, but you can pray at home. And that's powerful. Amen? Let's rise to our feet. I call our worship team up, please. To ignite the Welsh revival. They came to him and they said, you know, they asked him this question. Evan Roberts, do you think God would visit Wales again? Do you think God can visit Wales again? Can Wales see another great revival The way we've seen it in your lifetime. And he responded by saying, Yes, God can. But who will pay the price? God can. But who will pay the price? Because Evan Roberts knew what it was. What what it took to see that move of God. So he said, Yes, God can. Yes, there can be a great move of the Holy Spirit. Whales can see it again. India can see it again. Other parts of the world can see it again. But will there be people who will pay the price? And that's what I want to invite us as a people, as individuals and as a church, saying, God, we're willing to pay the price. We will start small. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's five minutes. Maybe it's 10. Start where you, with what you can. But if we will start praying, it's going to build momentum. It's going to become a big blaze, and when we pay the price our church, our city our nation will see a mighty move of God let's take this time just to consecrate ourselves and just ask the Lord give me this heart that I need and ignite a spark in me tonight this morning God, that I will be willing to pray and seek you until revival takes place
1: happy Christ oh, 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 oh.
0: a spark in every heart oh God and you will put it in our hearts to press in to pursue you God for our church for our city for our nation God And you will ignite a spark in every heart that we will go back with a passion we'll go back with a fire inside of us that says I will press in I want to see revival come I want to see the power of God released in this in this church, in this city, and in our nation. Father, ignite that in every heart this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask that you will breathe upon us. Lord, we pray that you will create... Those groups of people, those individuals, those groups that will pray, that will press in, that will pursue until revival comes. And God, we pray for a mighty outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord, that you will reign upon us. God, increase your glory. Increase the manifestations of your power in our midst. That the world will see and the world will know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let your house be filled with your glory, God. Let the glory of the Lord be seen upon each of our lives. Oh God, we pray you will reign upon us. We pray we will have more of you experience more of you, Father. We cry out for more. We thank you, God, that you are the Lord who leads us in this journey. You are the God who leads us into more of you. That you're the one who draws us in. That we can experience more. We will see more. We will even taste more of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This morning, before we close, we just want to give an invitation for any person here who feels that you want to give your life to the Lord Jesus. And maybe you've come in, maybe you've come many times before. But this morning you feel in your heart that I need to let Jesus take control of my life. You feel inside you that enough is enough. I want to come to Jesus. I want Him to forgive my sins. I want Him to give me eternal life. We want to pray with you right now before we close and just lead you into experiencing this for yourself. So with every head bowed, it could be all just bow our heads, close our eyes. there's any person here, even one person, if you feel this morning, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want Him to forgive my sins and make me a new person and give me His life. If you feel that stirring in your heart, But I want you to pray this prayer with me. That's God touching you, God speaking to you. And I just want to help you respond to that. Could you just say this prayer with me, please? If you feel that you want to do this, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you, I ask you to forgive my sins. Come into my life. Make me a new person. Give me your eternal life. And help me follow you and you alone the rest of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, for this time of worship, for your word. We thank you for people who gave their lives to you this morning. We rejoice. We celebrate. And Lord God, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And for all that you will unfold for each of us. And now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Unto Him be glory in the church through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday afternoon. See you again. Have a great week. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.